Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as father, husband, comedian, writer, sometimes pants wearer. Check out our podcasts, uh, hspod.com, latenightmedia.com. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition of the Humans of Twitter list, Scott Black. Hello. Yes, and today I wore pants, so it is a sometimes day. We are outside. Pants are not optional. Ah, it's, it's, it's like Obi-Wan says, from a certain point of view. <laughs> I think I could argue that anyway. <laughs> it's hot enough in, in Brisbane that you, you could always go without pants. Well, look, not far from where we're sitting right now, pants, in fact, tops are even optional. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. They're at the we, beach. Yeah, why, why are we there? We should, we should be doing a podcast. Hey, what are you wearing? Nothing. Nice. That could be the Really Dirty Man podcast. <laughs> That's right. In social settings, Scott, how do you introduce yourself? Uh, probably I always say comedian writer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have been working in broadcast television for a while, but my passion's always been comedy. Yep. Um, and I've done that for a huge part of my life. Even when I was doing a four-way into professional wrestling for a long time, my main thing was essentially grabbing that microphone and talking trash and making jokes and making people laugh. So um, I'm a comedian writer and probably more writer these days because i got small kids, like I said. In my my description, it's father first, father, husband first, and then comedian writer. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because that's, that's my everything. And then to be able to sit home and write, and write for other comics and yeah. write for other shows and stuff all over around the world has been pretty pretty awesome. So this is an interesting thing, right? Because uh, you're a, a grown adult male yeah. living in Brisbane, yeah. writing, as you said, for people all around the world. Mm-hmm. How the heck do you make that happen? Uh, it's a lot of late hours because a lot of uh, a lot of people I write with or collaborate with are in the UK and the US. Yes. Um, so it's a lot of me staying up you know, at 3 in the morning to do a, uh, a Skype convo or yep. getting a random text message from one of my guys in, like, L.A. saying, hey, I need two pages about monkeys and, and underwear. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, all right, man, I can do that. Um, 30 seconds on Kanye. That's right. And because it's, it's not something that comedians advertise that they do, like, mm. you know, there's some comedians. And, and, you know, if you need a writer, then, you know, it can be stigma against yeah, yeah. you um, but I mean that's the way it always was before it wasn't until the, the 50s and well, late 50s early 60s that comedians started doing no I have to do it all by myself And yeah we, we kind of step across the fact that a lot of these great comics mm. that we look back on with huge reverence weren't the only people that wrote their gear no like one of my favourites of all time Bob Hope and he didn't write a lick of it, but he was great at improv. Awesome delivery, great improv. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he could go with the best of them. You know, Johnny Carson, who I say is still the greatest late night show host of all time, had writers. Yeah, yeah. He was a very funny man himself and very quick as well, but he had writers. And and most comedians these days, even people go, oh, you know, Bill Hicks is amazing or Louis C.K. And it's like, yeah, you know, they at least have someone to bounce things yeah, off. Yeah, they write like, stuff with or talk about, hey, yeah. I thought this and I'm writing that. So it's a it's a not a profession that you can really advertise, um, but a lot of word of mouth. Like, I'll write something for somebody and they're like, oh, my God, you know, this is great. Ah, oh, you know, my friend... Hank or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm amazingly discreet about who I work with. Sure. And that's key. And unfortunately, especially in comedy writing, like the other thing that I do a lot is punch ups for yep. scripts, uh, film, TV scripts. Or even occasionally I get a theater one, which I love because I'm a big theater man from yeah. way back. Um, 
you don't get any credit. Mm, and yep. when you're writing comedy for other comedians, you don't get any credit. They get all the credit. Yep. And for a lot of people come up to me and go, I want to get into comedy writing. I'm like, first thing can you do, can you watch somebody just slay with your material and be happy and not try to grab any of that spotlight yeah wow and the answer a lot of times especially in today's me 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 society mm. is no or what they'll do is they're like oh I like to write for people but they keep all the good stuff for themselves oh, so yeah. I'm more of a you know if I'm sitting in a social situation with a comedian and yeah. I come up with something everything, everyone laughs I go yeah you can have that well now it's like I've just done that but charge in a, a more formal more. sense yeah and just charge a little bit uh, but there are websites out there that you can start, get started on, like Fiverr is a great one. Yep. I make make a lot of contacts through that. Um, and then they just move on to outside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a fun gig. And, yeah, I, I wish the film industry would get more into the online environment. Yes. Because at the moment, a lot of my friends are like, man, if you came to L.A., mm. you would kill. You would be. You'd be in, in rooms. And, yep. and I, I don't want to live in L.A. Yep. I, don't, I love Brisbane. Um, I've been to LA numerous times don't like it it's not the place for me <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt but you're, yeah. you're not from here no I'm from a small state in the US called Vermont which it's is Vermont. northeast so yeah. east coast yeah I was a I was a uh, in the rap battles I was east coast mm. I'm not a part of the rap battles at all <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but that's yeah. so geography very quickly kind yeah. of uh, like I said east coast yeah not not on the coast, is it? No, it's a... Like it's, one in. Yeah, so it's in the part of the state's called New England, which is comprised of Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, You're and Connecticut. You're part of that problem. Yeah. Right. So we're we're the OG states. Yep. Um, 1777. Um, <laughs> they, uh, Represent! That's right. They, um, they, they beat the history into <laughs> you. Um, but I was about, I, the, the geography I always say is like four hours out of Boston, six mm-hmm. hours out of New York City, and three hours out of Quebec. Yeah. So I was on the French-Canadian border. Great. So that's why I get Canadian a lot, and I'm fine with that. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> but so, yeah, you're understandably, you don't want to live in LA. You're happy with the lifestyle no, in Brisbane. Yeah. So, I mean, if you can get, uh, and there are some studios who are now starting to take Skype meetings yep. and things like that, but... They're still so. They're all still run by the old guard, you know. Yeah. And it, it's like if you're not in the meeting, so that I can waste your time for 45 minutes and driving in either direction, oh. an hour and waiting, and then another hour in a meeting that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Well, then it's not really Hollywood. So, fortunately, there's a lot of small studios starting to realize that if they just cast their net on LA writers, mm. it's a small pool. But if they cast it over the world, they'll get a lot better. Well, if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to end up with the same result, aren't you? Absolutely. And that's what's the problem with network television in, in the U.S. at the moment, is yep. that it's same-same. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Don't. And, and where do you go for good television in the U.S. is you go to the cable networks. Yeah, and AMC, you go, HBO, yeah, And Showtime. you go to streaming net services. Yeah, Netflix. cast their stuff all over the world. Mm-hmm. It, it's... It's not a TV podcast. Let's not, not, talk, let's not dwell on that. Yeah, but it's a it's a, it's an amazing thing, and eventually I think it'll happen. I mean, everyone says, "Oh, you can always move to Melbourne or Sydney," but you know, the weather here is so good. Mm. <laughs> I really like it. Yep. You know, and my 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 wife's family is here. Uh, you know, the kids get to hang out with their cousins and their grandparents. Yep. And you know, I can always try that later. If the most you have to put up with is a few forty degree days here and there. That's fine. That's right. My, my house, I have an office um, for all of my writing stuff. And essentially, it's in the equivalent of an Australian basement. It's yep. underground. So it's always nice and cool in there. I'm happy. That's fine. <laughs> it keeps me out of the heat. The bunker. That's right. 
<laughs> well, you know what they said about the last person that had a bunker? Uh, Ted. Nah, yeah, oh, I thought you were going another way with that one. I was just like, wait, what am I getting compared to? <laughs> it's probably been said before. <laughs> what was school like for you, Scott? I loved school. Yeah? I was a big fan of school. I went to a place that essentially the school was, I remember this clearly because it was on the outside of the school. Yes. The primary school I went to, Sutton Elementary School mm-hmm. in Sutton, Vermont. Was established in 1784. Oh my god! And the original, the front of the building was still original. So the main part that you went in was still this big red brick front. Wow. And then they would just build on to yeah. it as the school got bigger. So, Over 200 years old. Yeah. So it was a, you know, Vermont was settled in 1777. So when it, you know, this was what, you know, not even. Our white people country has only just done that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's pre- it was pretty good. And, and even back then, I remember it being awesome because it had that real old school yeah, feel yeah. to it. And um, Smell the bodies. Yeah, that's right. Just, just get all the, the, the Native American arrowheads <laughs> out of the way. And we'll just continue on. <laughs> Uh, no, Vermont was good that way. We were good with our Native Americans. Yes. Um, <laughs> we, uh, it, it was cool. It was one of those schools, though, that like you went to school with the same people mm. all the time. Yeah. You know, and it was a uh, kindergarten to uh, eighth grade. No, sorry. Yeah, eighth grade. Yeah. Because then high school is 9, 10, 11, 12. And so you went with the same people all the yeah. time. So when you're hitting that awkward, you know, teenage stage and wanting, uh, to, wanting to date, it's like, it's like trying to date your sisters, you know, that you've been with all these years. So that was wrong. <laughs> so dating didn't really happen until <laughs> high school where we went to... It was They liked to tell it as a private school, mm. but it was the only high school <laughs> that everyone went to anyway. And I think they only called it a private school so that they could make you wear a tie on Wednesdays, uh. which is fun because you know me. I love a tie. Tie on Wednesdays. <laughs> Wednesdays tie day. Yeah. So uh, high school was great. Like, I, I loved school. I was a yeah. big uh, theater guy after school, you know, cl- clubs, chess yeah. club. Uh, we had did a thing where where I, my love of comedy really happened was one theater obviously being in theater, but two was a thing we called it forensics and I'm not really sure why it was called forensics. Uh, Debating, I, but yeah, it was it was many different things. It was you could do uh, poetry, which obviously just reading poetry, prose, just reading sections of books. Poetry, it is it is the East Coast rap battle. Sorry, <laughs> that's right. Um, and then. Uh, there was thing impromptu speaking, yes, which was my bag. I all Loved four it. years owned that state champion. Yeah, Scott, your topic nothing. is oranges. <laughs> That's right. I can do oranges. <laughs> well, that was the thing. Like you would, you would pick a handful of topics out of a hat. Yeah, you had twenty seconds to pick the topic that you wanted to do. Yes, and then you had uh, one minute to come up with a five-minute speech. Wow, and that that's was, brutal good. That was my that was my bag. Not like my friend Steve, who he did it with me. He had the exact same speech every time, but he just tailored it to wow. what he was talking about. And it was always about the last time he saw his grandfather. And wow. I remember at one competition, he was just like, "Man, all I got is lima beans. That was the best topic I had." I'm like, "Sounds like a last dinner to me." And he's like, <laughs> yeah. "And it always ended with the same thing, which was." <laughs> And that was the last time I saw my grandfather because the nursing home burned down. And he'd pretend to cry. And everyone in the room would be like, oh, my God. And I'd be in the back dying. <laughs> and you be- know that he's now writing for Big Bang Theory. He probably. 
hey, hey give me a job, Steve. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. So it was uh, one of those things. And even when I got into doing professional wrestling, which was another law, mm. I always knew that that wasn't going to be something you can do for the rest of your life. Obviously, it's a sport. Yeah. It's not, you know, you're going to get banged up. So Sport, air quotes. Oh, we'll fight. Um, <laughs> so, uh, not a competitive sport. Um, and so I knew mic skills was one of the things that yeah. I was always going to be good at and that I could influence. And then I would do things like I would leave a wrestling show and immediately go to an open mic. Oh, wow. And sometimes still in my gear, you know? Excellent. So it was, uh, it was a really cool time, and we would travel all over the U.S. You were El Jaguar before L Jaguar existed. Yeah, I guess, but except without the cool mask. He's yeah, got a great a cool outfit. Mask. Yeah, that he's got a cool great mask. outfit. And the accent kills it. Yeah, oh, he, his gimmick is gold. Like, if, he, if he's not signed to a, a six-picture deal with somebody by <laughs> the end of this year, something's wrong with the world, and I don't know if I want to be part of this anymore. <laughs> Gosh. Follow me, El Jaguar. <laughs> so given all of this, and, and yeah. this, you know, interesting. So theater, I'm really intrigued mm. by this. Because yep. I understand some of your connection to media and comedy and those sorts of things. Yeah. Theatre is a remarkably different discipline that includes a lot of elements of both of those. Absolutely. And I think it's something that, I mean, I always, I, you, as a comedian, you always love to get a reaction. Mm -hmm. And I think the real first reaction I remember getting was doing a, a production of Peter Pan in like third grade. Right. I wasn't even any of the main roles. I think I was just like random Lost Boy. <laughs> Lost Boy 12. Yeah, that's right. And, um... Oh, I begged for the last boy 12. I think I got number 30. Or something. <laughs> I think my I was also like substitute tree. You know? <laughs> but um, it, so I did that. And in high school, we had a, such a great program where they would do two big productions every year. There was the fall production and the spring production. Yeah. And the spring production, they would let the students write. Right. And so we would write these insane musical comedies. And that was the last time I saw my grandfather. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, we, we had a series. It was like, uh, we called it something Murder Mysteries, and it was the main character was Inspector Clouseau. Excellent. So we would just, we were doing, like, Mel mm. Brooks-style stuff, like pulling these characters that's in from great. other movies. And there was a godfather was in there at one stage. Wow. And, and it was great. And then the same teacher who ran, Mrs. Hartwith, who ran the theater at high school also in the summer ran like a real grassroots theater in a barn type thing where wow. we have a big production in the summer so i would spend a lot of summers doing that as well so i got in a big in a musical theater you know i've done something like 80 productions wow of, you know i mean nothing huge and then when i came to australia 80 is nothing huge well i mean you know like nothing like you know i wasn't selling out you know broadway or you were touring the boy from Oz yeah, or something yeah that, that would have been awesome um <laughs> But, and then I got a chance to direct some and write some. And then uh, I came to Australia in 2001, and I was like, I, where's the theater? You know, So yeah. I came and uh, joined the theater troupe down at the Gold Coast Arts Center mm -hmm. and did one production down there, which was Bessel Whorehouse in Texas. I love that. I love and, that musical um, so hard. I was like, yep, um, it's so weird here. It was so different. Like, the culture was so different that... They took it way too serious. And I'm like, we're doing a show called The Best Little Horror House in Texas, guys. Let's let's rein it back. And they were like, no, this is the, you know, this is going to be my breaking point. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. So, so Thanks, have, Bert. Yeah. So I haven't really done much since. 
but it's it's something that I keep wanting to, and I I see little little fringe things that coming through like uh, Speed the movie, the play. Yes. Uh, and I think they've got a Titanic one coming yeah. out the same troop, and I'm like, that's amazing. Like yeah, I'd yeah, love yeah. to be part of that. But the guys that do that are so great, oh, and, yeah. and that the way they develop it together and spin it off. Oh, absolutely. So good. How they get around the licensing, I have no idea. But that might be a gray area for another time. Satire. I think yeah. the only way it's just claim this whole podcast is satire. So yeah. let's defame people. Done. <laughs> Here's my list. It's like in The Simpsons, right? Yeah, that's right. You just made my list, the boy. The EAD list. <laughs> Thank you, Virgin. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm, yeah, that was I'm hilarious. still getting over that. And and is it for those that missed? Uh, there was a Virgin employee that. Uh, well. Someone Former got close to the Virgin <laughs> Twitter account yeah. and told Kanye West podcast time in the last couple of days yeah. to EAD, to eat yeah. a dick. You douche. Yeah. Oh. And, like, the shutters went up at Virgin Twitter. The world ended. Yeah. And I think this morning they came out and said they, like, they haven't been able to find it or they're now not admitting that it happened or something's going on. Yeah. The, the response, almost overwhelmingly, on positive. Twitter that I've seen, yeah. positive, positive has been Virgin. amazing. Yeah. And it's like you know, finally. I mean, I mean, for people who have been who follow Kanye West, why? Um, but he essentially just had a massive dummy spit. It was huge. And just and he was like begging Mark Zuckerberg to give him money. And the logic of this is spectacular. Mark Zuckerberg. I make dope shit was pretty much his reasoning. And Mark Zuckerberg, as best I understand, isn't on Twitter. The guy owns Facebook. Why would he be on another social media platform? Yeah. But Kanye, dude, go over to, to Facebook, post yeah. it there. Yeah, he's uh, not the sharpest tool. He is a tool, but not the sharpest tool. Wow, there's <laughs> a lot of well-rounded bricks in his shed. Ah, uh, and it's like, I'm in debt. You got Kardashian money. And $74 million in debt, too, apparently. Yeah, why, why, hey, what's, that's what happens when one of your singlets costs $500. Oh, and his album, like his latest album launches and... Untitled, yeah. which, did you even know what title was before? <laughs> I, I, look, there's so much going on with this whole Kanye West story. We almost need to dedicate an entire episode. In fact, Kanye of Twitter. I'm going to put it out there right now. At Kanye West. If you want to come and tell your story on A Humans of Twitter, this is your invitation. I would love to see you trying to rein in Kanye West. Dude, I would just turn the mic on and point it at him. Just go. <laughs> I'll be, just sit back. Here's the intro. <laughs> Kanye talks. I say thank you. Yeah. End of podcast. End. End all podcast. Yeah, that'd be amazing. I want to come just watch that. That's the one you should do in front of a studio audience. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> the first live podcast is Kanye West talking humans to Twitter. And he's like, you know, if, hey, if you've got anything on tonight, cancel because you're going to be here a while. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> this is going to be at least six hours. Of him. I'm the greatest rapper of all time. I'm the king of hip hop. I'm the, the okay, Kanye. Thanks, Kanye. Yeah. I'm going to let you finish, but this is my podcast. Yeah, but Taylor Swift is the king of hip hop. Yeah, yeah. Just to see his he face even, explode. He even dropped on uh, social media in, as a part of this meltdown that he had that he wasn't coming to the Grammys unless they guaranteed him best album. Yeah. I loved Grammy's response. Well, fine. If you're going to be like that, stay home. <laughs> it's like... And just by the way, who won Best Album this year? Was it Taylor, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, yeah. Did she, didn't she have a dig in him? I didn't watch the Grammys. Uh, she threw some shade. Right. I think is the professional rapper's term. We're so ghetto. We, uh, yeah. What's your favourite theatre production? What do you? What's the one that you look at and go, that I could watch a million times? Oh, easily, hands down, uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Wow, really? Jekyll and Hyde, the musical, is amazing. Yeah. I was in love with it the first time I saw it. I have five different 
studio recording versions Excellent. of it. I saw Sebastian Bach from Metalheads would know who he is. Yeah, uh, perform it on Broadway. Yes, I uh, seen David Hasselhoff do it. Oh my god, I have on DVD and it's amazing. I have to come over and see that. Yeah, it's the best. David Hasselhoff crushes it. Like he's he leaves it all on the stage. It's pretty yeah. good. I've always been a fan of David Hasselhoff singing anyway. Ever since you know <laughs> looking for some freedom back in the eighties. You say you're from Vermont. You're really from Germany. Yeah, that's right. Deutsch, Deutsch Vermont. Um, and then I got, to, luckily enough, in Australia, got to see a cool Australian production of it with Robert Guest uh, yes. before he passed on. Yeah. And that was a big honor because even though I hadn't been in the country that long, like I knew who he was because yeah. he's such a big, he was such musical a big theater dude. Yeah, music, international theater. So um, got to see him in the role. Uh, and it was awesome, except the girl who played his love interest was like, not like, good. No, she was fine, but she was like twelve, oh. and, it, and it was, <laughs> and it was strange because he's like he was like in his sixties at he this was stage, old, yeah. yeah. And it's like, and he's just watching them pine over each other. I'm going, I don't know how I feel about this. It's like <laughs> a fly in a wall Woody <laughs> Allen documentary in here, and I, I Jekyll and Hyde, the Woody, Woody Allen version. Yeah, yeah. It's it's my moment. Oh wait, that's walking. Who am I even doing? I've never been able to do a Woody Allen. Can you imagine the worlds colliding? Walking doing a Woody Allen version of Jekyll and Hyde. I think my brain just melted. That was that would have been awesome. But I was I was lucky enough to do a small production of that, and yeah. I think that's that was like a bucket listing for me. Yeah. To to play Jekyll and Hyde, so that was um, awesome. Wow. Very tiring, but I can awesome. imagine. The easiest theater show I ever did was uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. I was the voice of the plant. Excellent. The best role Audrey ever. Audrey 2, bring it. No makeup, no stage time. Yeah, yeah. Sat in the wings with, with a microphone. Mic. And the script. Didn't need it, because I've been a fan of that yeah, show yeah. since I was a kid. But, um, yeah, I, and unfortunately, the guy inside the plant costume, I think he lost, like, 15 kilos, 16 kilos in the in the production because it's just sw- there was no fan in there. Yeah. It was this super hot. And when you get to the, the biggest size plant, yes. it's like your back and head is the top of the mouth and your arms are holding a, a, a stick yeah. controlling the bottom. It's a whole body workout. So he was ripped by the end of it. Yeah. I probably put on five kilos. <laughs> like, just, just sitting in the wings going, man, this is good. The Little Shop of Horrors program. Yeah. Be Audrey, lose weight. Be the voice. Eh. Get, the, get the recognition. <laughs> That's right. No one gave a crap about the guy in the suit losing himself. Like I was, I did. I bought him some nice gifts and stuff. But um, it was because uh, he did the hard work and I got all the credit, yeah. which was <laughs> it's a shame. But <laughs> what makes what makes good theater bad? Uh, actors who take themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. I think uh, when you get into acting and especially in the theater, you get into play. Yeah, like it's it's good fun. It's a great community, and you meet some nice people. But when people take it so seriously or when people take the character home or off stage with them oh yeah you know that that can really it rubs people the wrong way I mean I know that there's some plays out there like I remember doing a play in um uh, would have been the late 90s it was called uh, Isolation and it was a one act and it was essentially like an, a four person ensemble on stage mm-hmm. my character was the, the the main antagonist and he was a bully who was abused and had to do all these flashbacks and eventually he had to he accidentally kills one of the kids and then he kills another one on purpose and then he kills himself wow and it's a like a full on play 
And I remember, like, everyone's like, oh, you're going to take this off stage with you, and you're going to, you know, this is going to be something that will mark you. And it's like, I remember, like, after the silence of rehearsal or something, just doing, like, a, a large fart sound, just to, like, everyone, like, mm-hmm. except on the final, I remember the actual night of the production, we had always used as a, just a fake cat gun yeah. as in rehearsals. Someone gave you a real gun. Yeah, that's right. I killed half the audience on accident. Uh, America. No, um, they gave me a starter pistol, yep. which is essentially is a real gun, but with a metal plate yep. in the barrel. And um, I was always just putting it up and bang, you know, the lights go off, bang, fall off, you know, fall over. I'm up on this crate and the lights go down, the big emotional tears, you know, everything. And I shoot this starter pistol not knowing that sparks shoot a good half a foot yeah. out the side of it. So I've got it to my temple, and when the lights go off, I move it away from my temple thinking, I'm not going to have that on my temple. I, the, the side of it is right in my face, just sparks straight in my eye. Oh. My head snaps back, so I'm like, what? And I fell off the crate like a big, just boom, 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 boom. Tears, people just crying, like they're like, You really threw yourself into that. I'm like, No, I just burnt my eyeball, and I'm amazingly, I didn't yell out, Ah, fuck, you know, or something. (laughs) And that was the last time I ever saw my grandfather. That's that's literally the last time I saw anything again. Um, but that was, you know, that's and that's acting. I never took anything off stage, it was always just good fun and playing somebody else. And then when you're you're in the wings, you're done, like that was it. So I think it, taking themselves too seriously, um, trying to reinvent the wheel. There's so many mm. people who like to, I'm going to do a modern, gritty remake of a Shakespeare play. Shakespeare was pretty gritty. Yep. You know, and, and as someone who's a bit of a Shakespeare purist, um, you don't need to do a gritty reboot. You yeah. want to do something original with Shakespeare, do like... Uh, yeah, well... No. <laughs> that's it's worked about. once. Yeah, that's it's the worked problem. once. Um, and that's what they're all basing it off of. I'm going to do this again. I'm going to have it set in Twitter. Um, <laughs> But uh, is it like uh, Ian McKellen, mm. uh, he did uh, Macbeth. He's done. He's done them all. But he does them with no sets. Yes. No sets. No props. No costumes. He just walks out and performs. And it's amazing. Yeah. You're there. You know. So you need somebody good to perform. You just need a performer. You don't need. Yeah. You know all the gimmickry. You know. I went and saw Wicked in Melbourne. And while it was a great production, mm. you just didn't feel it. Yeah. Like, the cast wasn't giving it their all. They weren't leaving it on the stage. I mean, it was a matinee on a Friday or something, so... Um, Someone I, might have phoned it in. Yeah, a little bit. And I get that. But I was always of the school that when you perform, whether it's five people or 5,000, yeah, you yeah. give it everything. You leave it all out there. And whether it was wrestling, comedy, or theater, I always did that. So... Which is tiring, but yeah, you got to do it. They're there. Somebody paid to be there. So, what happened to you the last time your heart was broken? Ugh. Probably the. Sorry to do that in the microphone. Um, heart broken is like emotionally or just anything. Yes. Yeah, anything. Probably the passing of my grandfather was the worst uh, because he was the guy that pushed me to all this. Mm-hmm. He was a uh, a chef. In the Navy yes. during World War II. So he was at Pearl Harbor when wow. when things went dark. Really bad. Um, and he was also, he played violin, well, fiddle, and he played uh, trumpet, like jazz trumpet. Right. And he used to run booze during Prohibition Excellent. between Canada and Boston. So he was like one of the coolest characters he had in some the world. He stories, right? He, oh, some amazing stories. 
and he was always the one that was like, you, you leave it on stage. If you if you love something, you do that. Yeah. You know, if you're unhappy, change it. You're the master of your domain. Why why would you ever do something that didn't make you happy? So he was a big reader and all that kind of stuff. So I was always watching movies. He he showed he was the one that like introduced me to Mash. Yeah. And I was just like, yes. Yes. And then correct. Yeah. And then so he was one of those really cool characters. So when he passed, that was that was hardest for me. Yeah. That was probably the last time. But other than that, you know, I've got little kids. They pick you up all the time. Um, yeah. Is I guess when things like you know your favorite TV show that gets canceled or something like that or a, a movie's horrible like mm. I'm pretty sure if, if Star Wars Force Awakens or <gasps> Dead or Deadpool had ended up being rubbish I would be very sad. Uh, ask me again next month after uh, next podcast month after this recording if uh, Batman vs Superman is horrible. Yeah, I, I might be upset, but um, I hear that about Star Wars. I I, I hung so much on that mm. that when it came to being in line to go into the cinema, I was physically shaking. Yeah. Not not out of um, concern that it was going to be horrible. Anticipation as much as anything, but I was having all these feelings that I couldn't process because Star Wars was such a thing for me. Oh, same, yeah. And, and the prequels were such a downer. They, look, they weren't great. No. I am a prequel apologist, but... Yeah. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, there's... There's, there's good moments. There's an them. hour and a half of movie in three movies. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're no Ewoks adventure. Copy that. Yeah. No Caravan of Courage. Oh, gosh. So we come off the back of that, and then it's like this whole new thing. Yeah. I was entranced. Oh, yeah. I just goosebumps. loved it. Goosebumps when it, when it all came on. Like, it, was, it was just amazing. And, and the best thing for me was being able to take my 10-year-old son... Same. Yeah. ...to see it twice. Yeah. Like I said to him when I watched it, this is a movie you're going to see more than once at the cinema. Yeah. And we've seen it twice together now, and every time he's come away bubbling about, oh, this, and I think... It's got all these great theories. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. My, my son, who's only six, uh, that was the first time I, like, taken him to a, a, a big film. Mm. Like, we've gone to the Pixar stuff and all yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. But when Star Wars, because he loves Star Wars, yes. and he's seen all the... Or, or he saw the originals, he saw the the prequels, he's seen Clone Wars and Rebels and all that kind of stuff, so he knows his Star Wars. Even, we'll start whacking intellectuals, like, well, did you know if uh, Mm. Boba Fett got out of the Sarlacc pit? Well, if you look at the extended universe, which no longer applies, (laughs) he did blast his way out. They're going to make, well, we'll see. Um, So, yeah, we we get into our nerd pretty good, and... um, I'm so happy that they're making a Boba Fett origin story movie. Oh, yeah. And as as long as it starts off with him blasting his way out of the Sarlacc pit, and then him going back to how he got... That's how I would, oh. that's how I'd write it. Because we know how he was he came about in yeah. that you know he watched his father die. Yeah. But what happened then? That's going to be the best part. Yeah. If it if it doesn't start Breaking Bad style with Boba Fett oh. blowing his way out of the Sarlacc pit at, from the end of the Return of the uh, in tidy whities. Yeah. Just yeah, <laughs> just cooking meth uh, in his helmet. <laughs> um, and, and then going, how did I get here? And then brrr, go yeah. back, and then end with him going after somebody oh. then that's that's how I'd write it Hollywood do it better yep or Disney sorry do it better come talk to us people that's right oh I didn't I don't this is the thing when I see people like Simon Pegg and everything and get involved in the Star Wars I'm like you're now part of it mm. and I think this was my thing with wrestling for so long is that I was such a fan of professional wrestling growing yes. up that when I got into it you can't enjoy it anymore mm-hmm so you tend to become too, oh, I see what they did there. Oh, I see what they're going to do with this storyline. Oh, they didn't perform very well, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It wasn't until I retired from in-ring comp- uh, competition that I went, oh, wait, it's just a show. Yeah. And I can just enjoy it. 
and now with like stuff like WWE Network, which is their great ceremony. So yes. I just enjoy it. I watch it, and I'm a fan again. It's a big show too. And it's taken me so long to get back to being just yeah. a fan again. So that's when everyone goes, oh, if you had the opportunity to write on Star Wars, would you? Absolutely. Mm. Would I want to? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, I'd love to pay it. I'd love to work on it. But yes. at the same time... The credit, thanks. I wouldn't... The magic, like you said, the anticipation of standing mm. in line, going to go see it, I, I wouldn't get that. I wouldn't know what happened. And it's like, oh, hmm. <laughs> you know, you don't get yeah. that. You get that magic. So it would be something I, I don't know if I'd... I'd Obviously, yes, I would do it in hand. If someone's out there listening and they can make that happen, make it happen. <laughs> I will do that. I will sacrifice my own anticipation of the movie to work on your project. Is that too much? Too much? No. Okay. <laughs> there's lots of films to come in. Uh, there's to, it's a good time to be a nerd. Mm-hmm. Rogue know. One comes out this year. Yeah. They've just started filming Podcast Time Episode 8. Yeah. They've, in fact, released some footage that they'd recorded during 7 for 8 yeah. to celebrate the first day of principal photography. Yeah. We've Which is got great. a Han Solo origin story that's being written now. Not quite sure about that one. But <laughs> so much going on. Yeah. If you're a Star Wars nerd, it's all happening. If you're, if you're any kind of nerd, I mean, the, the comic book movies aren't slowing down. Mm. Um, Deadpool proved that a hard R uh, superhero movie can work and work well. I'm saving that for when I get to the States because I really want to see it. Uh, and, and apart from the promos and stuff, I've tried to stay really like away from yeah. reviews and things. But on Twitter, of course, you get the scroll past, Deadpool is the best movie ever, or yeah. Deadpool was a real letdown. I was like, yeah. man, what is going on with people? It's Well, I mean, I know there's a, even a lot of people in the industry who are supposed to be able to critique these things and know these things who yes. are like, no, it's a piece of trash. And other people are like, this is amazing. Mm. So it's a very a, a polarizing film because it's very unapologetic. It, yes. It's Deadpool. If yeah, you're a fan of Deadpool, intense. you're going to love it. If you don't know what Deadpool is and you tend to get sensitive about things, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> but that's a movie that I would love to write on. Like, those are the kind of things that make me go, oh, that's freedom. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, that's when you can go out there and go, hey, let's make this balls out crazy and see what happens. Oh, everyone loves it. Every every contention around film and, and you know, comic books in, in the story, there's nothing that Deadpool can't, doesn't do. And when you think you've seen everything, this movie will change that. They break conventions in this, in this movie that haven't been broken. Oh, that's so great. You know, they, you, you'll sit there and watch it and go, am I actually seeing this? <laughs> yes, I am, and it's amazing. Excellent. So, um, yeah, no, it, it was good because you could obviously that the budget wasn't big enough for the studio to care. Mm-hmm. And they just went, look, you love the character, Ryan. You team, you guys just go make what you want to make. And right. he, he lampoons everyone, comic books, previous films, Hollywood actors, himself. Yeah, you know, any, you know, everything. So, uh, hopefully, Hollywood gets the good lessons out of that, and not the bad lessons. Which is, let's just make everything smutty. You oh, know? Yeah, <laughs> give us a hard R Wolverine movie. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Schnicked. Yeah. What are you going to achieve in the next twelve months? Uh hopefully, a lot more writing work. Yes. Um, I've, I've just resigned from my day job, um, which is a bit of a... It's bit of ex- a huge yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, I've given almost 10 years, well, over 10 years, but one year was a volunteer to, to my day job, and it, it's just one of those things that I felt I needed to move on for mm. the sake of the business and the sake of myself, you know. You yeah, can only yeah, be yeah. at a place for so long um, and get to the absolute pinnacle of where you can go. Yep. 
and uh, you know I'm 36 years old. I'm I'm not done yet. Like I can't go any higher, mm-hmm. and that that was a bit of a wait. And I think I just need a new challenge and do something else. And I'm, I'd, I'd gotten into, I started in the business in a creative field yes. and then got into a more administrative. And the creative, just, you can't get rid of that. Yeah, Once yeah. you're a creative, you're a creative. So um, I've been doing a lot of studying on social media marketing mm-hmm. and, and content creation and all SEO articles and all that kind of stuff. So that is something that I like to do and hopefully we'll, we'll branch off into a business way but yep. at the same time I'm working a lot of scripts pilots yeah. uh, podcasts you know right. uh, YouTube channels you know so there's a lot of stuff coming out That's maybe great. get back on stage that would be awesome yeah. right? Uh, that would be fun I'd like that <laughs> well, I, I would imagine that your job as serious as it was mm. did have some limitations around you following some of your passions Absolutely, because uh, there was always a, a, a group of people out there that would try to use whatever I've done outside. Like, even, like it was working at community television. I had a community t- television show, yeah. but I had had that before I became general manager at the yes. station. And people, and that show was balls out. Like, I would yep. say some pretty out there stuff. Um, always back it up and never apologize. But they would use that to try to get me fired. Great regularly yeah and that's I mean and that was one of the reasons that I stopped doing it was that those people made it not fun anymore Mm. because it was like I couldn't say anything without them being twisting it around and calling me you know sexist or homophobic which if you know me is so not the case um so yeah or or I'm against the or what was it I was uh rebelling against the government I was an anarchist I was you know uh, rude and disrespectful to society, and it's like whatever, you know. I only because I, I call bullshit and and was would point out uh, stupid statements that yes. people would make or hypocrisy in society. If you didn't agree with it, cool. Yeah. Don't, don't watch or flick over or say, hey, I disagree. That's fine. But yep. when you you take stuff that people say, and this is why I find out funny on Twitter and on social media in general, mm. it's like you put up an opinion. I don't like that. So I'm going to post 8 million reasons why you're wrong. Here's a hot take. Or you could scroll away and not worry about it. Or mute and unfollow me or whatever, whatever, right? Yeah. There there is no rule that says that you have to have an opinion on everything you see on social media. Mm. If you don't like someone, don't follow them. Pretty simple. Yeah. Pretty simple. Uh, Which is fine. I mean, ever since I stopped doing the TV show, uh, the hate has stopped a bit. Um, on social media, I'm usually pretty cleanish. Like, I, I mean, I've never been a big swearer anyway. But um, you've I, never been smutty. No, no, I don't like to work too blue because clean is challenging. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I usually just comment on things or make funny, silly remarks of the day. And I observations, mean, lot, observations, and a lot of stuff is like, yeah, what's the deal with the airplane food? <laughs> um, <laughs> And a lot of stuff because when our kids are a lot, so a lot of it's like, oh, our kids say the funniest things, and my kids are super funny. Every parent thinks that. So um, you're the next, you're the white Bill Cosby. That's right. Oh, without well, just don't ask for a drink at my house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hang on, you ordered me a coffee. Yeah. How you feeling? I'm feeling very sleepy. <laughs> This is the jail, pardon. <laughs> Put spill in the water. That's right. Oh, I hope he gets the, oh, He's the done. jail for a He's long done. time. It, that was hard. That was heartbreaking. You know, someone, someone, a comedian like that, that you hold to the highest regard, and then, and then he does something monstrous like that, and you're just like, oh, 
you're done. Like, you can't, I can't listen to those albums anymore. I can't. He was I, some of the first comedy I heard because yeah. it was stuff that as a kid was yeah. clean, was funny, talking about his brother, yeah, his right. family. It was, it was, I mean, some of the stuff you listen back now and you're like, oh, okay, there was a lot of abuse in your household. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Go get me something to beat you with. Yeah, that's right. My job was to kick him back into play. Um, you know, so it, that was heartbreaking. It's like when, um, in, even in professional wrestling, when Chris Benoit mm. uh, snapped and, and murdered his, his wife and child. Oh, it's like, yeah. that was one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. And now it's almost taboo to even mention his name because... Yeah. You know of what he did, and it's in fair call. That's definitely right, and it's just heartbreaking because he was one of my favorite wrestlers. And it's like, oh well, now I can't really enjoy it because now every time I see him, I'm like, you piece of shit. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's another reason why I never read any of the biographies about Johnny Carson. Yeah. Because even seeing the great documentary, the American uh, documentary uh, that PBS did a few years ago, would have been ten years ago. Um, amazing documentary, but it's it stood up that he was kind of a d-bag and you know mm-hmm. he he could be a bit of an ass and i'm like i don't need to know that <laughs> i just he he's the king of late night i, I, yeah, I, yeah, I gotta yeah. keep it there i can stay there that's right that's and it'll right. be i'd imagine not that i'm suggesting that david letterman has anything untoward that we don't already know about mm. you know affair and all of the rest of it yeah he was pretty open about that yeah yeah, yeah. and i think look we'll get a lot of the the, the dissection beyond what we've already had of mm. david letterman's role in late night television which was huge Incredible. Unarguably huge. Uh, Yeah, no question. The father of alt comedy. I live in hope that with the stuff that comes out, either before or after he passes, Mm. um, that it's just the stuff that we kind of knew, but it was, it's, it's the, like the icing on the cake stuff, the sugar. That's like, we knew about this publicly, but here's this little stuff that happened that you don't know about it, that colors this or flavors it in a nice way, or might go, oh, but look, you know, this period. Dave was an idiot because he was under pressure around the whole affair thing and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, I don't want to hear that Dave Letterman well, one had of the, a sex fetish. Well, one of the things that did come out after was the fact that he gave millions of dollars to charity yeah. that no one knew about. Yeah. Same with same with uh, Carson. They are the best secrets to find out. For That's mine. right. He was giving you know, millions of dollars away and no one found out until after he died where they the uh, organizations that he was giving money to sent condolence to his estate mm. and they were like what is this i just been giving millions yeah. of dollars away and the fact that he wrote Dave's monologue pretty much up until 2005 when he died yeah. and then I always laugh when people go yeah I like Dave but after about 2006 he stopped being funny oh my God. and I'm like well it's probably because the king yeah. was no longer writing his material he was still material. doing stuff yeah. Yeah, yeah so um yeah poor Dave I mean he, he he'll be remembered fondly in the in the annals of, of late yeah. night. It's people like Leno who are just going to be a footnote. He's more than covered himself in in shit, hasn't he? Yeah, he he's he's somebody who's going to come out as a villain, which is a shame because I mean, there's so many people in late night that have already been forgotten, and I'm such a nerd when it comes to late yeah. night that you know when, when I say Jack Parr, people are like, who? I'm like the second yeah. host of the Tonight Show, or yes. Steve Allen, or. Or Dick Cavett, yep. or you know, um, even freaking Merv Griffith had a show, and mm. Pat Sajak had a show, and <laughs> oh, that was horrible. Chevy Chase, yes, yeah. Look up the Chevy Chase show on. That YouTube. wasn't great. That was not good. And but I love Chevy Chase. I love Chevy Chase, but he's he's a major. That's one that you're not surprised. Everyone's like he's a jerk. And it's like yeah, nah, you can see that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So hopefully, uh, I think a lot of those will be remembered. I mean, George Carlin was one I was kind of scared of when he died to find mm. out that he was bad. But his daughter released a book. Yeah. Um, Kelly, yeah. yeah, and it's really good, and it 
yeah. you know, while he was away a lot, he was a good man. And, and that, oh, the that, stuff that she's unpacking in conversations with people and then through yeah. the book. There's a, a, a very recent uh, episode of Velocity, a conversation between Kelly Callan and Will Anderson mm. um, that is golden to yeah. that end because Will's a massive fan of, of Carlin yeah. and to talk with her about life with George and that's the way she talks about it life with George is if you haven't read her book yeah. it's a revelation if you have read her book there's some nice sugar yeah absolutely you'll find something more to respect the man about yeah yeah and uh, which is good you know you want that you know yes. I, I read all of Bob Hope's books because he wrote one for every quarter of his life which mm-hmm. of course he got more than most and um, they're all very sugary, yeah. gloss over. And then you read a book that somebody wrote about him, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you, were, you were kind of a D-bag sometimes as well, but that's all right. That was a different era. As opposed to Gracho's book, uh, Gracho and Me, which is amazing and hilarious. And if you haven't read it, you need to do yeah, some yeah. favor and read it. Um, you read that book and then read a book someone's written about him, and it's like, oh, he just told you 100% the truth. Yeah. <laughs> about everything so yeah, yeah, I'd rather listen back. to it from him but then there's people like who I'm a big fan of like Lenny Bruce who established the anti-establishment comedy yep and again every Bill Hicks tends to get a lot of the love from comics like oh he was a real comic well he wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for Lenny Bruce yeah. we wouldn't have George Carlin if it wasn't for Lenny Bruce we wouldn't you know I mean George was around at the same time but he yes. was doing clean material he was doing Al Sleep the Hippie Deepie Weatherman you know he was doing all that stuff <laughs> yeah. and then Lenny Bruce Unfortunately, got addicted to heroin and went off the rails. It was like anti-government, anti—you know—you yep. know—swearing. Uh, I mean, well, pro-swearing, uh, and just said, talking about how people talk, and that opened the world for Pryor because he was doing clean yeah. stuff before. He was like, "Oh, I can say what I want. Great." Here it comes. George, uh, Red Fox, you know, yeah. who was always kind of doing it anyway. But then that allowed him to become a huge star. Yeah, moved him almost into the mainstream. Yeah. Didn't so you know, hey, com- comedians out there. Bill Hicks was all right. Lenny Bruce is your man. <laughs> hey, Scott, thank you so much. No worries, man. I don't think we talked about Twitter man. at all. But <laughs> well, no, no, that's great. That's the awesome part. Now, I'm, uh, I'm very thankful for having this conversation. Please know the things you've said are very special. Yeah. And you're highly valued, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, very clearly, you're on the Twitter. Oh, yeah. Are there other social accounts you want to admit to? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do... Late Night Media is my Twitter, which is N-I-T-E, and it isn't a dictionary, so it is a correct spelling. Um, that was one I get all the time. <laughs> like, no, it's not how you spell night. It's like, yeah, well, the domain name was available, um, <laughs> which is why I did. Um, and then there's Hot Steaming Pod, which is my podcast, which has a Twitter as well, yep. um, which is the same on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook. So Late Night Media or Hot Steaming Pod, there I am. Excellent. Yeah. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Late Night Media is in